Hi guys, I just wanted to hop on really quick before the episode and give a trigger warning. Um, We're going to be talking about homophobia quite a bit in this episode. Um, We're also going to talk about depression and mental health, um, just overall discrimination and kind of purity culture from religion and then religious trauma as well. Um, And then I also wanted to give you guys a heads up, which I mentioned like at the beginning of the episode, but this is kind of an odd episode because it was the only episode I've ever done in person with someone. And so we're sharing one mic. So the volume's probably going to fluctuate a little bit. And to be honest, I have messed around with it as much as I can and I can't get it to equalize. So this is just where we're at. Um, But yeah, it's a fun episode. It's also one of the episodes that is a little bit more specific to a specific group of people. So it's going to be similar to the, you know, episode about my high school and childhood experience uh, with Hannah Schoenbein, where it it doesn't necessarily feel relatable to everybody, but I think the people that it is relatable to, it will mean a lot to. So um, yeah, let's just jump into it. and welcome back to Mindful Minds. Today, we are going to be talking about being queer while attending a Christian college. And we're going to talk about that with Jubilee Ramirez. Hi, Jubilee. Hi. (laughs) So this episode um, is going to be a little funny because uh, we are currently sitting on the floor of Jubilee's apartment. And this is the first episode that I'll be recording where I'm recording with somebody in person, not using a third party platform. So if there's any kind of funky delay, it's because we're switching back and forth and trying to use the same mic. Um, but a little bit of context, Jubilee is my best friend. That sounds super annoying. But um, we have known each other for four years? I think so. Four years. So probably about four years. Uh, we met at the Christian college that we both attended uh, that will not be named <laughs> during this episode. Um, and, uh, funny enough, she was actually my orientation leader. So, uh, I thought she was really cool and I was a little freshman dork being super, uh, over, overzealous and trying to compensate for the fact that I was drastically insecure. Um, and then slowly just got a little bit less annoying as a person as I matured. And then we became better friends. And funny enough, I think our friendship has actually been, uh, severely strengthened by the pandemic we like we hung out a bit before the pandemic um because i was able to start drinking (laughs) i don't i don't know well we can say that now it's just very funny we can say that now right i wasn't i wasn't friends with anybody unless they were allowed to drink with me on campus i didn't drink on campus yes i did uh, we can say that now, yeah, though, right? Yeah, no, we can say it now. It's not can like we? Because I'm feeling anxious. I feel like we can say that. Okay. Um, well, <laughs> we'll go with it. Um, but yeah, and so we started hanging out, and then COVID happened. And funny enough, uh, almost every single one of my friendships out of college dropped off during COVID. Whether that be because of distance or because I grew and became not a Christian (laughs) and also became someone who was super open about sex and I was talking about it. And that made a lot of my like Christian college friends super uncomfy. And I literally lost pretty much like all of my college friendships, except for Jubilee. (laughs) Jubilee and I were like not being a Christian anymore and like talking about sex and we bonded. (laughs) 
Um, what an experience. Yeah. And so we bought it. And funny enough, like I, this is like my first, probably my first actual legitimate long distance friendship because she lives in uh, Spokane, Washington. And that's where we are currently, um, which I literally just finished a four and a half hour drive to come here. And um, we became much closer over the pandemic. And when we were in college, we like talked maybe like once a week, once every few weeks. And then during the pandemic, we talk on the phone for like, multiple hours at a time (laughs) multiple times a week we facetime at least once a week if not more than that we're constantly sending each other shit so yeah it's been interesting because it's actually been a friendship that has like drastically been strengthened but i wanted to have um them on because your experience is very interesting at this christian college and it's quite a bit different than mine i think for a variety of reasons but i think for one your mindset coming into college was different. Some people like went to Christian colleges and like during that experience realized, Oh, I don't really know if this is my thing anymore. And you kind of seemed to come in with it with come into it with a little bit of a clearer mind. And then it seemed to like, like you were already pretty clear on where you stood coming like your senior or junior year. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So yes and no. So I, well, okay, let me just, background about me, in case you don't know me, but just totally don't know me, don't perceive me, I don't exist. <laughs> um, I grew up Christian, very Christian, very Christian evangelical, it was great, wonderful, loved that experience for me, <laughs> um, but I went to college, one, to get away from that, um, I went to Christian college because it appeased my Christian parents. Um, and also like, it seemed pretty cool. I honestly, like if you grew up Christian evangelical at all, um, the world is scary. And why would you go to a college that doesn't love Jesus? Because that means you're going to die and fall into sin and burn (laughs) in hell. Um, or you can graduate with a ministry degree, but also be very gay and not Christian, which is what happened to me anyways. But so like I went there with kind of like. I just wanted to go to college. I wanted to figure out what I really believed outside of what I was taught to believe. And it kind of worked, just not in the way that I was expecting, nor did anyone else really expect it to happen. So that's cool. So the, the ministry degree thing, let's maybe start there. So, uh, Jubilee has a degree in theology, <laughs> youth and fam, youth and family ministry, and exact. and y- you are no longer a Christian, correct? Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't consider myself a Christian. Okay, so let's talk about that then. How did that come to be? And like, did did you still think that your life was going to continue in Christianity when you decided on that degree? Was it just an interest of yours? Was it like familial pressure or was it societal pressure where you just felt like that was where you would fit in? Or did you kind of always know that wasn't something that you were going to actually pursue in your career? Well, I went with the actual intention of pursuing a psychology degree to counsel and counseling. I did not know that. I thought I told you. Yeah, no, no, I did not I, know. That would, we would have been the same classes. I what know, the fuck? That, that would have been cool. Okay, but, keep going. But that was my original, um, that was my original plan was I wanted to be a, 
oh, this is horrible. I wanted to be a Christian counselor to youth. And which is, if you are a counselor to youth, that is great. If you are a Christian counselor to youth, I ask you to rethink why you're a Christian. Also, you can still be a counselor to youth. Maybe just pop the Christian off your title because yeah. that can, when, uh, I feel like psychology is a little bit of the church and state thing where it's like, yeah. if you're going about psychology and therapy and counseling, people need the science of it. And a lot of the times the Christianity outweighs the science. And so instead of giving people actual tools, you're giving them Bible verses. And that's when you fuck people over really hard. For sure. Which, yeah. So that was my, that was my original plan. Um, I actually changed my major twice. So I went from Christian psychology, focusing and counseling to worship ministry with psychology minor. And then I know. Um, and then I switched it to youth and family ministry, period. And I did this because, one, uh, my whole family is really into music and very talented, and that is awesome. I do play music. I just don't, like, I didn't play music at said school for reasons because everybody on the goddamn planet played music. And I was like, okay, you all are mediocre. Sorry if you played music. Most of you are mediocre, and that's great. That's awesome. It's great for your churches. Um, please pursue your dream. Anyways, <laughs> there are a few of you who are really good, and maybe take very it outside true. of worship music. I don't know. Very Y'all true. could go on The Voice. There, there are some that are very, very, very talented, and you are just going to stay in your PNW church for the rest of your life and not go anywhere, and that's well, sad. And that's the thing, too, is it's—, it's <sighs> This is a really hard thing. We've talked about this. This is a really hard thing for me because I came from my— it was a bigger church, but our youth ministry had gotten a lot smaller, and I was doing worship at our youth ministry. And in my mind, I was the shit. I was like, dude, I'm fucking good at this. And then I went to this college, and everyone and their mom was on the worship team, and not on the school worship team, because the school worship team was highly competitive and very odd. It was so weird. Yeah, it was like literally like, like it was really aggressive. Like the, the <laughs> audition process was like, like, you're talking like American Idol shit. And, um, it was weird. And I, but everyone and their mom had been on their like high school youth worship team. Oh, for sure. Everyone was responsible for something. Everyone has led something somewhere recorded with whatever and did whatever, which is awesome and great. But, um, well, because everyone who's going to go to a Christian college has most likely, unless you're a sports kid. Because the sports kids were, they were out of the question. Like, that was a different dynamic. Because mm-hmm. these are kids that were on scholarship, and a lot of whom didn't actually really consider themselves Christians. Or, like, you know, it wasn't really their thing, but they were there for sports. But most everyone else came from a church background. And so if you're going to voluntarily go to a Christian college, chances are you were probably pretty involved at your, like, church back home. And so everyone and their mom had done worship or hospitality or had been on the prayer team or had spoken on the, like at the pulpit or like whatever parents, they had parents who were pastors, like everybody had something. And so the thing that was really interesting going into that was if you have a school where 90% of the students have been on the worship team, guess what? Not all of you can be the best at your, what you do. Mm -hmm. And so that was really bizarre because you come into it thinking especially if you come from kind of a small Christian environment, you maybe think that you're really talented. And then you show up at a school where everybody thinks they're really talented, specifically in leading worship. Mm -hmm. And it was a little bit of a slap in the face for me, at least, because it was like, oh, 
okay, so maybe I'm not as good at this. Like, and I think the people who were really good at it, unfortunately, then became like the queen bees and king bees. I don't know what the male alternative for that is, but like the the like the lead pastor. Well, but like like the like the 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 lead pack of the school, like the the popular kids were the worship like the the head of worship leaders which how weird is that that like at a college dynamic the popular kids are the ones who like are the worship leaders it was just weird like it wasn't a normal college dynamic like those kids were the kids that everyone was like oh God, i want to be you literally our our school was a mega church that we had to attend classes at. that's literally what it was um but besides the point oops sorry okay um but besides the point I did that, and then I switched to youth and family ministry, mostly just because I didn't want to do any of, like, the real music classes, because I spent, like, all of, like, middle school and high school doing theory classes and music and stuff, and I was just like, I didn't want to, I didn't care about that. So I was like, no, I'm good. I want to do this, to this instead. And I do not regret, I do not regret getting my degree. Mostly because I've learned so much and I want to say most of my professors, specifically the ones in the Bible area of our school, you know, bless their hearts. They had to deal with me asking so many questions, literally going, okay, but why do you believe that? Okay. But like, why would you say that? Um, but I don't understand. When was the last time you had a, you had a personal conversation with someone in the LGBTQ community. Like, how do you know that that's what they think? Because that, from what, from my experience as a closeted gay, um, that's not what they think. That's not their agenda, quote unquote. And so, you know, happy for them that they dealt with me and they gave me a degree. Um, they thought I was smart, I guess. But, which by in, in all means, I wasn't like the best in my class. I'm not going to say that because I was not. Um, but I was just very vocal about everything all of the time. Well, and specifically challenging things because people don't do that very often. And I also was one of the only like women that was in most of my classes there. I mean, there is, there is quite a few women in general who are um, and were in my class, but in a lot of, a lot of my classes, I was either one of two to three. There wasn't that many many girls chilling and listening to a lot of male voices talk about how women should do this. And then I would be like, but why? And then they would have to look me in the face and be misogynistic or shut up. And so it was great. It was wonderful. I loved, I loved seeing, I loved breaking, I loved breaking them down. Well, and I think that's part of what this college functions on as well is there is an expectation that people aren't going to challenge and are just going to sit there and nod and smile because that is essentially what Christianity is built off of, right? Like the religion in itself is built off of the idea that you respect your elders, you respect men, you respect pastoral elders. Like if somebody, if a pastor says something, it's kind of the law. And also kind of if men say something, it's kind of the law. Like there's kind of like this super misogynistic undertone to the religion as a whole. and. I think that the college capitalized off of that with this idea that like 
we're banking on the fact that we're not going to get questioned on this. And I can't speak to before we were there, but I know that there were quite a few people while we were there that openly questioned things and like whether that was on social media or just like in conversations. And I don't know if that was normal or if that's been kind of recent that people have been a little bit more vocal about questioning and challenging and criticizing. But I don't think that they were very used to that because the way that they responded made it seem like maybe this was a little bit new for them to have people openly being like, hey, so what you're saying is misogynistic or hey, that was racist or hey, that was sexist or hey, that was homophobic or put in whatever phobic, (laughs) like, ist in there and they've probably done it. And um, I think I don't think they were used to people actually calling them out on their shit. Yeah, and I agree. I think that that's probably one of the things. Um, Like, also, my first freshman year was 2016 during the Trump and Hillary election. And I feel like that changed a lot depending on the people who were there. You know, a lot of these seniors in high school got to see that and be personally affected and then also be in college while all of that is happening. For me, that was a lot. That was very much a lot. Um, How did they respond to that? Because I wasn't there for that. I was still, that was my senior year of high school. Okay. um, I'll be honest. I don't remember a lot of what they said after like election results were announced because I kind of like disassociated a lot of my freshman year. Um, I have a lot of mental illness, so that's fun. Um, so I really, I like, I barely remember a lot of like things in during freshman year. Like I know that I forgot to go to one of my classes and I failed it. Um, because I literally would like, I had a fish, RIP, he died. Everyone and their fucking mom has a fish their freshman year. I also had a fish. My fish also died. His name was Tangerine. And I would like to give a big fuck you to the freshman dorms because y'all fucking killed my fish. I went to Christmas break. And the heaters broke. And they accidentally heated up my room up to like 100 degrees. And my friend was going to go check on my fish. And she came into my room. And my room was literally 100 degrees. And it boiled my fish alive. And when I tried to talk to them about it, they said it wasn't their fault. And they wouldn't do anything about it or reimburse me for my fish. Anyways. Everyone had a fish. <laughs> everyone had a fish. Um, but yeah, no, like I don't really remember a lot of it. I remember specifically... One person, um, (laughs) after the election results came out, I was at work. My roommate at the time was also Hispanic. Um, So we had a lot of, like, fears of that because, like, you know, undocumented family members and ICE and all of that stuff. Like, those those were fears. And that was something that I, my mind automatically went to when I heard about who was the president. Um, I remember coming home and this one person who voted for Trump walked up to me and said, I love you. I know this is hard, but I love you. And now we know the babies are safe. And I like pushed her off of me and went to my room because I was like, you literally voted for a sexist, misogynistic racist and homophobic person because you were in fear of an unborn child and i was like okay that's whatever fuck you um that's a huge part of the culture too though is that kind of fake um she loved me but she did not love my my mom 
she loved me, but she didn't love any of my family members or any of the children yeah, that's, that I that's, knew. That's a lot of just so, Christian. That was a lot. We don't need to get into that. Yeah, but that's a lot of just Christianese behavior in general. At least, like, modern Christianity is a lot of, you know, hate the sin, love the sinner. And um, the thing is, is when you're classifying sin as uh, people's literal lives or lifestyles or decisions that they made to protect themselves, i.e. like abortions, mm-hmm. uh, you're not hating the sin, loving the sinner. You're hating the sinner. And that's it. Like you're just hating the person that you think is doing the wrong thing because by hating their lifestyle or their choices, they're a limb off of their lifestyle and their choices. And so it's just, you know, everything is super interconnected. But going back to the fact that you are queer. Um, did, oh, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> did, did you know that you were queer when signing on to this school? And we'll go over why that's important in a moment for those of you who haven't experienced a Christian college. But there is a little something called a lifestyle policy. Uh, and we'll go into what that means. But did you know that that was something you... Like, did you know that about yourself going into this college? So, no. I, well, one, okay, I never questioned it before. Like, I never thought about, like, oh, what if I, like, girl? Like, I never had that that thought in my mind because all I ever was taught was, you know, male and female, female and male, man and man is yuck. Uh, women and women is yuck, you know, um, like I have vivid memories of seeing like a lesbian couple kiss on TV and my dad audibly being like, "Ugh, gross, which <laughs> great. My parents would change the channel <laughs> like pretty little liars. Yeah. So Emily? specifically that really was that you too? They wouldn't change the channel. He would watch it, but say yuck. Oh, with Emily and her girlfriend Paige, mm-hmm. my, my mom would change the channel. Yeah, no, they wouldn't, they wouldn't change the channel. They would just audibly tell you how gross and disgusting it was, which is, I mean, I would rather you just change the channel. <laughs> oh, however, um, you know, looking back on my life, I should have known by like me being, me feeling hurt. Like, why would, why would a straight person feel hurt about something that has nothing, quote unquote, nothing to do with them? Um, you know, things like that. And like, I remember seeing the, um, White House lit up in like rainbow colors when um, gay marriage was legalized. Like, I remember being like, I don't know, I felt really strongly about it. And I didn't say anything because you're not allowed to say anything if you're a woman. But like, I didn't say anything. But I, like, I remember having those feelings, which (laughs) should have just, should have just known. But no, so I didn't, I didn't know. That I, I didn't know that I was gay. I didn't know that I liked women. I didn't know that about myself at all. Which is very funny. Because I figured it out while I was there. So, how did that happen? <laughs> what was that process like? Well, I think that I made, I made a lot of, I made, I don't want to say I made a lot of friends because I did not. <laughs> I knew a lot of people. I had conversations with a lot of people. I have very few friends. They are still my friends. Um, but I knew that they were gay. 
And and also kind of one of the pivotal gay couples of this college. There were very few co- like them. very few couples that were people kind of thought were gay. Like if you were gay, you were you were really closeted where people had no idea. This was one of the very few couples that I feel like kind of they kind of paved the way there just a tiny bit because people, a lot of people kind of had an idea. Absolutely, absolute legends. Oh, yeah. Um, I like to say that I saw that relationship blossom. So, <laughs> hell yeah. I wasn't a part of it. I wasn't friends until after they were already together. However, I saw it happen. And so that makes me um, a part of that. <laughs> but yeah, so that's really cool. Um, but I was friends with them. And I, I think that just like, one being friends with people who had a different perspective um kind of just like made me look at things differently and kind of question how I thought about myself because I don't remember like sitting down and being like am I gay do I like women I I never really had that conversation with myself I just kind of like recognized that I liked women by being like oh wait you don't like check a check a girl out when she walks in a room like that's not not everybody does that like i do respectfully i look respectfully um but like i just i just kind of like had those feelings and i kind of just i remember (laughs) i remember when i told my roommates this was on this was sophomore year so this was about sophomore year when I finally started figuring this out for myself. Um, and it was towards the end of sophomore year because we were talking about roommates for junior year. Um, I was talking to my friends and we were talking about trying to apply to be in the apartment. LOL. And they were like, oh, yeah, like it's going to be like, like we're all going to be like super fun. Like most of us are kind of gay, like except for Juby. And the. <laughs> My response, which I need to ask them and see if they remember this as much as I do, because my response was, um, no, like automatically. And they went, wait, what? And I went, oh, no. And I like didn't really, I didn't, I like never said it out loud. And they were like, you're not, and I went, they're like, you're not straight. And I went, I mean, I know I like, I know I like girls. And they were like, are you a lesbian? And I went, no, which looking back on it i was like why was i so defensive about being a lesbian but that was whatever if you're a lesbian that's awesome i just that's called internalized homophobia from years of (laughs) being in the church (laughs) i just uh i just realized that i was like no like unfortunately i still like i still like men but yeah so i just i do still like men i like men i like women i like people i i yeah I feel like, honestly, I could, I feel like some people could say, well, maybe you are pansexual, not bisexual. Um, Those are very close. And I kind of feel like the LGBTQ plus uh, communities have a little bit of a conversation around what those two terms mean. Because bisexual inherently is basically saying you're interested in in men and women. Well, no, technically bisexual means that you're interested in two or more genders. Um, pansexual means that you're just interested in wouldn't wouldn't you argue then that bisexual can be like a little bit transphobic isn't that a conversation a little bit i mean i I guess it can be but that also depends on like i feel like i feel like we know that the person that you're dating is trans like that's true i feel like there just needs to be a there needs to be a meeting you guys 
we need to talk about <laughs> definitions. The we need to talk together. about the definitions. Um, but yeah, so you you like people. I like people. I like it is what it is. I'm I'm attracted to who I'm attracted to. Call it what you want. I say bisexual because that just feels right in my heart. Um, I guess saying in my heart that sounds so cheesy. However, that's whatever. right. Yeah, I mean it's it's fine. I feel bisexual in my heart. Only my heart. Well, or no in your else. brain. But yeah, so so we've clarified that you did not know that you were queer when you started attending this college. So maybe let's go into the lifestyle policy. Um, I'll just give a quick, short definition, and you can go into it a little bit deeper. But essentially, when you sign on to this college, at, uh, similar to many uh, private Christian uh, universities, there is a lifestyle policy, a contract, a, you know, guidance for behaviors, whatever. And it's something that you sign that basically tells you what you can and can't do while attending that school. Um, to people who haven't gone to private universities, often are kind of surprised by that. Um, it's very common in private Christian universities. And kind of the normal gist of it is something about sex, right? Something about drinking, something about substances in general. And then normally something homophobic. Um, Our specifically was no drinking at all. Mm -hmm. No sex at all. Um, No sexual anything. And then um, no drugs. And then there was also a part in it that was you're not allowed to dress in clothing that isn't for your gender. There There was a part in that as well that said something to the extent of like, like, women need to dress in female clothing. Men need to dress in male clothing. Have they taken that out? Because I can imagine that could get them into some trouble. Don't read it. I'm not I'm, reading I'm, 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 not going I'm, trying, I'm not going to I'm trying to be it, careful about reading it. Um, legal action here. <laughs> so technically, they don't say, like, men must dress as men, women must dress as women, but they should dress, they should dress... For the appropriate gender. Right. So. So why don't you go into a little more about the policies on. Uh, they specifically address homosexual behavior. They, they don't like say you cannot be gay. They say that you cannot. Act on gayness. <laughs> Basically can't, you can't have gay sex. Yeah like if but, you are a woman and you kiss a woman. That's fucking gay, dude. Don't be gay. But at the same time, that's weird that that's the policy that they have because you also get reprimanded if you express gay emotions. Yeah. So it's weird that that's not in the policy. I wonder if that was kind of because until you just brought that up, we just had a conversation off uh, off the recording about what the actual wording, um, because I I didn't know until you had just told me that 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 was something that. specifically it's it's no gay sex because i think everyone who went there kind of thought that it was just no gayness period but it's interesting that like technically if we're getting into the technicalities of things you could be gay as fuck and just not be having gay sex and be like waving your flag everywhere and technically you're not breaking any rules so any people who may be going at this this school currently and are closeted technically (laughs) technically you can be gay you just can't have gay sex However, um, that might be the technicality, but if you are gay and you choose to say that 
be prepared to witness a lot of people who are going to be like, how can we help you with this sexual urge? Because being gay for a lot of Christians in general is not, you know, it's not uh, the way you were born. It's, it's, it's out of lust. It's because you have issues with sex. It's because of that. And then it turns into an intervention where then it's, how do we help this person overcome this? And now you've got appointments with the counselor and appointments with Bible teachers and pastors and like admin and all these different people who are trying to like work. And they actually do that with sex too. Well, for sure. Because, you know, I mean, because that's what being gay is, right? Like being gay is just, I I just want to have sex. Oh, I mean straight sex too. Oh no, for sure. Yeah, like if if they if they they find out that you're having straight sex, they also decide to like have a full ass intervention. I speak from personal experience (laughs) because I during my sexual assault investigation kind of had to uh, clarify that I was having sex like before and after my assault, and I had a whole conversation about like, which is so funny because it's so inappropriate to address that in the middle of a sexual assault investigation to be like so we know that you're traumatized but let's have a conversation about the fact that you were having sex that's so inappropriate we all know that you're traumatized because you're having sex not because you were that was that was the undertone of it for sure was like and that was icky too because there was a little bit of like well you chose to have sex and so So like what did what did you think was gonna happen Yeah. yeah But yeah, so they, anytime you break the lifestyle policy, there's definitely like an intervention thing. They do it with alcohol too. If they find out you have alcohol, they like to use the um, people over policy line where mm-hmm. we're not just going to kick you out the first time you have, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a ding on your record. Mm-hmm. That's not the word I'm looking for, but that yeah. describes it well enough. Um, we're going to try to intervene and talk to you as people and look at you as a person. But unfortunately, that alone can be very traumatizing for queer people because that's someone trying to basically can like, it's like a, you're trying this conversion. You're trying to get someone to be straight, which feel, let's have you talk about that a little bit (laughs) as a queer person who not only lived in fear of being out while being at that college, because there are so many freaking repercussions that could come out of that. But then also trying to advocate for queer people while also not outing yourself as queer (laughs) because there's a really fine line between like if you're yelling a lot about hey 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 like don't treat queer people like that everyone's gonna kind of look at you and be like like why do you have such big feelings yeah hey are you are you maybe which i love using the phrase big feelings um (laughs) i have a four-year-old niece (laughs) by this time this is released she'll be five Mm, she's so big but whenever she's like you know having like complex emotions you say she's having big feelings and i you know as a 23 year old woman i have a lot of big feelings all the time (laughs) and i i use that all the time i have big feelings big 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 feelings um but yeah so like i guess in my mind what it ended up being for me was one i was in my degree and so my first question was at this time, I was like, yes, I, I am queer. I, I like men. I like women. At that point, that was like as deep as I got because it's all I knew. And I was like, but I still love Jesus. Like, I was always told that that can't happen. That can't happen at the same time. Like, what does that mean? Like, why doesn't Jesus can't love me? But then I started reading the Bible um, without it being read to me by already homophobic people. 
And well, um, you know, Christians suck. <laughs> Christians suck. I don't think the Bible is bad. I think it's just misunderstood and mistranslated and people who read it and tell other people about it have a biased things and they just need to honestly they just need to shut up (laughs) they just need to shut up um so that's kind of like how it started for me and I did become a lot more vocal when it came to literally anything in any class that had to do with like the LGBTQ community they're like the gays are gonna do this and this is how they are affecting the youth and then I would get to sit there and be like um, I'm sorry, Professor, but you said the gays, like, you knew something about them. Um, last I checked, you were not gay, nor do you have anybody in your life who is gay. So how do you actually know what they're feeling? Because so far, all they're feeling is outcasted. So how is that like Jesus? <laughs> well, so, and that's uh, part of the thing. And I'm going to read something really quick. So I know that part of what you being in a program where you were learning about theology. You were learning about it, but in any college, in any class in college, you have your professor teaching what they want to teach you. And then you have projects where you're doing your own research, right? And here's the hiccup with that. (laughs) You're giving people a lot of information and allowing them to actually interpret it for themselves and interpret it in a way that is potentially more accurate than the way that it's been interpreted for them for years. And I know a lot of people who finally got a hold of the Bible and were able to give, even like have the tools and the emotional maturity as an adult to be able to like actively be doing research. And a lot of people figured out that uh, biblically, it's actually not wrong to be uh, gay. (laughs) And I'm going to read something really quick. Um, There is a movie coming out. Um, It actually might already be out now that I say that. And it's called 1946. Um, And I'm going to read the back the backstory for that. So this is on literal 1946themovie.com. The first time the word homosexual appeared in any Bible was in the Revised Standard Version, published in February 11th, 1946. In the RSV's translation of 1 Corinthians 6-9, the word homosexual was used in lieu of Greek words uh, malakoi and arsenokoitai. Yeah, arsenokoitai. I might have said that wrong, but we're going with it. Researchers agree today that these words translate loosely to uh, effeminacy, pervert, or sexual pervert. The decision to use the word homosexual instead of the accurate, accurate translations was voted on by the RSV committee. 1946, the movie, uh, explores how this mistra- mistranslation ignited the anti-gay movement, with it, movement sorry, within American conservative Christians. Um, evidence. Kathy Baldock and Ed Oxford have dedicated their lives to researching the roots of anti-gay theology. As a part of their extensive research, they uncovered 90 boxes of notes from the archives at Yale University. Filed in these boxes for over five decades was a letter sent to the RSV Translation Committee written by a young um, seminarian named David S. Seminarian? I honestly have no idea. All right, we'll go with that. Uh, In the letter, David points out the dangerous implications that could come with the mistranslation and misuse of the word homosexual. Dr. Luther Weigel, the head of the translation committee, wrote a letter back to David S. to acknowledge their mistake and commit to correcting their grave error. Unfortunately, the revised version of the RSV, which replaced homosexual with sexual perverts, wasn't published until 1971, 25 years after the mistranslation occurred. By then, other translations of the Bible had applied the RSV's use of homosexual and biblical texts. 
Today, the misuse of the word homosexual appears in most translations of the Bible, namely in 1 Corinthians 6-9 and 1 Timothy 1-10. Sadly, this has become the foundation for much of the anti-gay culture that exists today, especially in religious spaces. Many conservative religious leaders have used these biblical texts to condemn and marginalize LGBTQ plus Christians, and society at large has been shaped, at least in part, to believe that the sexual and gender minorities must choose between their faith and their identity. We hope the evidence and stories in this film will not only challenge our assumptions, but change our hearts. 1946, is the movie, is not an attack on Christianity or the Bible. It is a quest to discover biblical truth and honor God's word. So this is a movie that is made by Christians, calling out Christians. <laughs> and the thing that's so interesting about this is the fact that the RSV committee literally acknowledged their error. They acknowledged that they were wrong but they did it 25 years too late. So the funny thing about all of this is everything that this anti-gay theology has been built on, which now almost every church in modern Christian, like within America that practices modern Christianity has some sort of anti-gay theology. There are very few churches that do not. It is very much so like the majority of churches. And it literally all is based off of a mistranslation that isn't even just a mistranslation. It's a mistranslation that was literally acknowledged by the Christian community as being a mistranslation. But unfortunately, they'd already, like, you know, got the ball rolling, and this snowball turned into a freaking avalanche, and they couldn't stop it. So, let's talk about how you existed at this college. While knowing these things, because I knew that you, I know that you knew about the fact that like, you strongly believed that being gay was not a sin, because we had talked about that. Um, and I'm thinking of one thing specifically, which I'm sure that you will remember once I say it. There was a panel. <laughs> there was a panel our senior year. Senior year. Because so uh, Jubilee was a year older than me, like when she came in. Well, no, no. I mean, like in in school, you I were you were was a year. Older. I don't know what you happened. were you were a year above me, but I skipped a year because of running start. So we ended up graduating at the same time. And our senior year, we went to a panel, and we went to the panel intentionally mm-hmm. because it was a panel that was supposed to address the school's. It, 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 the panel sounded like it was supposed to address the school's policies on homosexuality and like actually have open conversations, and it ended up just being like a literal propaganda, like weird it was very bizarre but we kind of went into it thinking like we it, they made it seem like there were going to be like audience questions and like real q a's like to this panel of admin and te- like staff and teachers um to be able to like open it up to the floor of the school bo- the student body and be able to ask really genuine authentic questions about the way that the school had handled homosexuality and it was it was it was, it was, both. It was like it was it was homosexuality because of some of the questions, and it was also just, like, sex in general. It was one of those panels, which I, if you've been to literally any youth group ever, they've always had one of these where they're, like, send in your really hard questions about, like, sex and relationship. It was kind of like that, and they, they did ask questions. But they, the questions they picked were, like, very strategically picked. Mm-hmm. Like, we, I think we both sent in questions, uh-huh. and the questions that were picked were, like, what do I do if my friend is gay? And I know that it's wrong but I want to love my friend. And we're sitting here like, um, can you actually maybe listen to like the gay students that are trying to like ask you some really serious questions? And they, they picked, they picked the easy political questions. 
so that they could give a politically correct response. I might actually still have like a picture of one of the questions. Let me, I'm going to, I'm going to dig. One of the questions that was asked or one of the questions that uh, you asked? One of the questions that was asked, because I remember taking picture of the question. I remember you taking a picture of the question too. I sent it to my brother and we raged about it. Okay. So she's going to look for that real quick. And I'm I'm just going to give a quick little summary as to like how it went, I guess. I want you to talk a little bit about how we dealt with it because... But yeah, anyways, there was a panel and you had different professors from different um, fields, quite a quite a variety of fields, too, because you had like Bible, you had theology, you had psychology. I think there was a social science professor up there as well, like communication. Um, and then you had the pastor, the student pastor, um, which, poof, um, <laughs> I'm not going to go on a rant about him because that could take a really long time. But um, we both went. I think you and I kind of went to be like, we we're ready to like throw some bombs and I walk came out in ready to throw hands at whoever was going to say something. I was already, I mean, I was a senior. I could care less while I was at sophomore and junior year. I was on leadership, which was, that was the funniest thing in the world too, because like you were kind of already publicly you were kind of already publicly somebody who, like, I don't know, you questioned a lot of shit. And so it was funny to me that you were on leadership because I think that they tend to try to kind of have people on leadership that they can control and manipulate and have things be said that they want to be said. Um, not necessarily questions that actually need to be asked. Um, but, yeah, basically the, the, um, the gist of this conversation, like, the conversation ended up being very centered on here is basically we think being gay is a sin and every single question was posed except for one guy one staff member which we won't name his name but props to you sir you probably not that you're listening to this but he would know who he was and he came at it from a much more logical perspective that wasn't just from the perspective of here is my beliefs that are already cemented and I will not change my beliefs. He came into it as like, I think one of his answers was literally, well, if lying is a sin and like being gay is a sin, then why are we not kicking people out of the church for lying? <laughs> yeah. He, he was pretty much just like, which he and I have had conversations before just of different things, but he definitely was one of the ones who was kind of like, I do not know the person who wrote the Bible, so I cannot say how it should be translated. But I know that I actually love and care about people. And if they have a relationship with God, that's cool. Yeah, and he, he definitely came at it from like acknowledging the double standard as well. That like we, the Bible itself says that sins are equal. Right, like there's there's an ongoing uh, narrative within the Bible that sins are on kind of an equal playing field. Oh, we found them. Okay, so there's a there's an ongoing thing about the fact that sins are equal, but then, and this this professor mentioned this that like then churches tend to prioritize certain sins and make it seem like certain sins are way worse than other sins. And he was basically saying, "I'm not God. Like that's not my job to decide what sins are worse than other sins." However. Throughout the entirety of this conversation, which the panel was probably like, what, like an hour and a half long? I feel like that. 
Okay. I feel like it was something like that. But but throughout the entirety of that conversation, there was never once any narrative that was we every single question, every single answer, even the answers that were maybe a little bit more logical, still acknowledged that they thought that being gay was a sin. There was still that acknowledgement. So what what's one of the questions here? Okay, so I took a picture of three. Um, the first one was, I and other Christians who are part of the LGBT community have been raised with fear because of Christianity. It's not like we chose to live this life. It's just what happened. So why have Christians oppressed the LGBT community by telling them that they are not normal when it's not their fault? Valid question. If you are listening to this and you wrote that, so sorry. I love you. What, what is happening? Your cat is snoring. I can just hear him. This audio picks up a lot. Anyways, yeah, no, and well, okay, so let's read the other questions because I'm curious as to maybe my my memory is a little bit skewed, but I don't remember a lot of the questions being like that. There wasn't. Like there, there was, I think they only, there wasn't a lot of questions that were because well, like, they only picked. I mean, I'm sure they, they probably picked, picked one of those like, questions to basically justify. Hey, look, we're trying to give this, these people a platform, and we still and and the whole answer. I remember the answer to that question was like, "Well, we love you no matter what." And we will help you work sorry, through that's what this. To you, like we we want to work with you. Let's talk. I remember specifically the pastor being like, "You know what? If that's you, like let's let's talk. Let's get coffee. Let's have a conversation." Which how threatening, also because that pastor, yeah, that let's pastor had the authority to be able to get you fucking kicked out of the school. So, like, why on earth would we go to you and be honest with you about what we were going through, or like a fear of ours that could result in us getting kicked out of our school? And so it was so silly that that was even, is it a live photo? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Um, so that was even interesting because it's like these, a lot of this, uh, a lot of the staff expected trust from the students and expected them to be a safe place for students, despite having policies that made everything so rigid and provided so many opportunities for students to be marginalized and oppressed and shamed. But then it was like, we're a safe space. And it was so confusing because. Even if you, there, there, any, anyone who was feeling any of those ways would argue very heavily, no, you're not a safe space. But for some reason, the staff and specifically the pastoral staff had this very delusional mindset that they were seen as a safe space by students. And most students would argue otherwise, because even the really Christianese kids, y'all were doing shit with your boyfriends (laughs) so like even the really christianese kids that were on stage were technically breaking rules and so no you're not a safe place even if you were talking the really christianese kids who were on the worship team who were super involved i know so many people who were in leadership on worship teams who were fucking their boyfriends behind the scenes and that's not to shame them at all but it's the fact that no matter how you spin it you're the the pastors were still not a safe space because if you go up to your pastor and say, Hey, I'm fucking my boyfriend, you get in trouble. Yeah. I mean, like it's, I mean, it it goes to say that like you cannot create a safe space in a place that thrives on an unsafe culture. Yeah. And that's what they, that's, that's unfortunately that is what this school was. It was already built on an unsafe culture. So when you're trying to make it a safe space, there's already too much trauma, no matter what, from anybody, whether it was the school's fault or not. It was unsafe, right. no matter what. And that's, that's just what it is. 
Okay, so another question that was, uh, these questions were put on like basically like a screen so we could read them and then they were answered by the panel and the panel had like, I think five people. I think so. And I think there were two women. So I think it was three men, three men, two women. And uh, one person of color in that group. Who unfortunately was. Who unfortunately was the person who was being the most discriminatory in his language. Um, But yeah. do that. Um, And obviously all people who were straight because you you couldn't, you can't be gay and be on staff. So all straight people answering questions about queer people and being queer. Unless they are queer. That's fine. Yeah. Hey, that'd be cool. cool. Also, hope you find a new job that you're able to actually live your full life in because love yourself. (laughs) That breaks my heart. So, okay. So other question, this is the second question. Okay, so the second one, second one was, how do we as Christians talk about gay marriage? It's hard for me to find a loving way to tell homosexual couples that God's definition of marriage is exclusively between a man and a woman. How do we love others without compromising our values? Fuck this person. Okay, wait, wait, read the next question, because wasn't the next question similar to that? Kind of. Okay, so the next question is, what is my role in the life of an LGBTQ friend? Should I correct them? How do we walk with LGBTQI people? Can we... <laughs> Fuck the asexuals, am I right? <laughs> they just casually left out one letter. <laughs> just, like, completely just ousted like, the asexuals. You're, you're not, you're not in That's really funny anymore. that they put the I in. Oh, my gosh. Okay, keep going. Um, LGBTQI people, can we welcome those who live in homosexuality into the church without affirming their lifestyle? Also, okay, like genuine question for who this person but also like fuck you because this is totally ruined this is this is just rooted in you being superior than this person and you being like oh but how do i tell them that they're what they're doing is wrong but i want to do it lovingly like how do i do that because i don't want them to feel bad but also like they're going to hell and i want to affirm them as a person but not really as a person and because their lifestyle is so bad and i just okay the last two questions if, if, you are, if you are listening to this and you are that person, fuck you. I hope you changed. Yeah, I hope you changed. Um, and that actually, so that question, can you, can you, can I see that again? So the question, should I correct them? That was the one where the staff member addressed the fact that he addressed the, the, um, basically like, oh, <laughs> basically there is a, um, there's a double standard. When it comes to quote unquote correcting sins, because you don't correct your friends for a lot of things, but then you have the audacity to walk up to a queer stranger and correct them on things, which is very confusing. And I think the other thing, too, was no matter how lovingly some of these questions were answered, they were still so shameful in the way they were answered, because every single answer from five different staff members stood on the soapbox of. This is a sin. And this is wrong. And the, the staff members had different ideas of how to approach that, but every single one was, this is a sin, this is wrong. Um, and the other thing that you just brought up is the superiority complex. And I've talked about this on other podcasts. I think on my, my deconstruction episode, that was just my personal journey. But the thing with Christianity is from a very young age, you are taught that you have every ounce of truth. It is quite literally called the book of life. You have every ounce of truth in a book. Therefore, objectively, if you have every ounce of truth that's ever existed in the world in a book, you then think you are superior to everyone else. 
because you have the truth they don't. And so you literally are breeding very small children to believe that they are wiser, more intelligent, have more life experience than an 80-year-old person who may disagree with their beliefs. And so at the root of Christianity, you are teaching people to be little gods. That's literally what you're doing. And you're teaching people to have God complexes and superiority complexes where they think that they are the moral compass, that they, or rather, that they have the moral compass, which is the Bible. And therefore, they have the right to be the moral police and to go around policing people, which makes a little bit of sense as to why a lot of Christians like cops. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's just like you're teaching people that they have the right to run around and police people. And the funny thing about that is, like, yes, the Bible does say to, like, correct people. But for one, being gay isn't a sin. And we just talked about how that's not a sin that's not in the Bible. For two, you also watch Jesus exist. And I just, I want to say something. The oh, Bible yeah. Bible doesn't say to correct people, to correct, like, other Christians who are doing other Christian, like, things wrong. Like, so, like, you know, like, call out your brother or sister in Christ for actually sinning, not, like, random people on the street who don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that seems to be a, a, a despair, despair, despair. Discrepancy? Thank you. Jeez, Louise. A discrepancy <laughs> between, the, yeah, there's a there's a little gap there. That's kind of like, it, they take Christian Christians, Lord Jesus, help me speak. Um, there are Christians who seem to take, Oh my fucking God. <laughs> there are Christians who seem to take that part of the Bible, multiple parts of the Bible, where it talks about uh, holding your brother and sister accountable in Christ. Matthew 18 is one of those. Um, and literally, people, oh my God, I came, I've talked about this in my um, episode about my uh, Christian high school with Hannah Schoenbein. And we talked about the Matthew 18 principle about the going to your brother and sister in Christ and like bringing them to the church. People take that principle and think it applies to random ass people on the street. It does not. Um, But okay. So we've ranted about this enough. Um, So I, I think we've already talked a little bit about, you know, how the college responded to being asked, like, do you affirm students? Because we got the same script pretty much every time of like we love them we want to engage with them we want to do life with them but like we want to help them work through this and like yeah do life with them is a is a big specifically that's a big like assemblies of god phrase i want to do life with you it's a very evangelical christian um we wear skinny jeans on in church phrase (laughs) yeah that's what it is skinny jeans and chelsea boots and those really long t-shirts I mean, with the same haircut. I do love me some skinny jeans and long t-shirts. However, if you are a Christian and you're wearing a skinny jean and a long t-shirt, no. <laughs> well, that's because it's a different type. It's a, we're talking the t-shirts that are so sheer that you can see the nipples of the man that is wearing. I'm talking men specifically. That's true. That's you can true. see their nipples. If I can see a woman's nipples, that's okay. You're also probably not. You're probably not super involved in your evangelical <laughs> church if you're showing up with a shirt where your nipples are. Out. I'm however, gonna, I'm going to go to your church with my nipples out. However, the men, they wear these very sheer, normally white, gray, or black t-shirts, and the white ones are so sheer, and they're the H&M ones that are very long but have to slit up the side where it splits when they walk. You know what I mean? Like, there's two splits on either side, and then when they walk, it, like, flows. And then they've got the black skinny jeans and, like, the tan Chelsea boots. Same fucking version of the Bible. It's, like, leather-bound with their name on it. And then they've got their coffee from their local coffee shop 
that they think is cool. I'm not trying to just like go out on Christians right now either, but but I kind of am. Um, so I guess we wanted to talk a little bit about how this impacts the mental health of people who have to be closeted while at a uh, Christian university. And then um, I know you want to talk a little bit about REAP. Oh, yeah. So do you want to go into that a little bit, just about how your mental health was impacted and how it has changed since you've been able to come out publicly? Because you only came out publicly, what, a month ago? A month ago, exactly. A month ago from this recording, yeah. Happy coming out birthday. Thank you. A month ago, exactly. Uh, But yeah, so how did that impact you? Oh, I get to hold the mic. Sorry, we had to pass the mic off there. Um, well, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> I was very depressed. But it was very weird because I mostly and honestly speaking, I didn't prep any of my answers. I remember reading this outline and just being like cool and i did not think about really what i was gonna say so this is just right now like honestly speaking about thinking about it i didn't think there was anything wrong with me i thought that there's so many people around me who just are so lost that now i'm suffering for it and it just i don't know like it didn't make me feel like i am less than but it made me feel it made me just feel like nothing. I nothing. It made me feel like nothing. I just never could be myself. I always had to censor what I said, how I said things, um, hold back tears when it came to conversations, to never really like talk about what it felt like for me. And like I Oh, like, like you just said, like I came out a month ago today, um, publicly. And that was after living a whole year, a whole ass year outside of this place and outside of anybody who knows it and still having to be like, what if I say something and the person who I'm close to changes their mind and says, bye, like. I still had to deal with that. And like, I remember, um, I remember coming out to my brother and my sister-in-law. I came out to them. I would, I didn't come out to them first. Um, but I remember coming out to them and I was like, oh, sorry. I didn't hit it. I did hit it. My bad. You're fine. I didn't mean to hit it. My bad. (laughs) Anyways. Um, I remember saying like telling my sister-in-law and I told her before I told my brother and I said, so um I'm bisexual. <laughs> and like I remember like doing like the <laughs> thing and but also like almost crying. And I it was just one of those like you know thank thankfully she was like I love you and I don't like I don't I don't care that that's what you are. Like I love you as a person. You're my sister and that's great, you know? And that's the same thing that I got from my brother, which was great. And now she's holding it because I am fidgety. <laughs> I don't hold things well. That's okay. This mic just picks up anytime you even like literally. I don't mean to. 
you can hear that. So it's a, it's a fidgety mic. That's okay. I'll hold it. <laughs> I can tell that you're fidgeting. Go ahead. But um, yeah. So like, it just made me really like question what relationships were around me. Not necessarily like me, because I felt like I was myself when I was around people who accepted me. And so yeah, like it was weird. It was weird, and it just made me feel like something different. It made me feel alien, like an alien, I guess. Like, I was always alienated. I was never really happy. I could never really tell people why I was depressed because I would out myself if I said that. Um, Well, and you didn't really have any community because even people who were pro-LGBTQ plus and affirming couldn't really talk about that too much because then it kind of puts target on your back. Yeah, I mean, like, and those who, like, were, were, like, super quiet about it. And, like, I wasn't. So, because I was just, like, fight me on it. Like, if that's what you want to do. Like, I walked around with pride, a pride um, flag on my thing and stuff. So, it's been pretty cool. That was it. Um, Which brings us to what REAP LGBTQ plus is. So, that is an organization that I've been recently made aware of. And they are actually doing something really cool. So they are currently getting testimonies and signatures from LGBTQ people who have attended religious schools and like things of that, religious schools and universities, and talking about their lifestyle policies and how they're able to get away legally with being discriminatory. Because that's what this is. It is being discriminatory but the ways like under religious views and stuff because they don't actively say you cannot be gay they'll say something like you cannot participate in gay acts or whatever and um some of the stories are people who are like yeah i i am gay when i came here but like i didn't really say anything about it and then when people would find out the type of homophobia that was like talked about to them and like said to them and how yeah. all of these different things and it's horrible and um well and how you can lose scholarships and you can lose funding and you can use you can lose um internships mm-hmm. and uh paths to you know succeed or career paths or whatever like you can literally lose a ton by actually just being yourself and somehow, by the way that they have oriented these lifestyle policies, you literally can take little to no legal action and, like, nothing's going to happen there. Like, you're just going to go through a legal battle and then get fucked over. So, with REAP, um, they're actively are – they, are they trying to do a lawsuit or are they trying to um, just kind of get the word out there so that people are made aware? Do you know? Oh, lawsuit. (laughs) Yeah, so they are, there's a few things that they're doing. Like, so REAP stands for Religious Exemption Accountability Project. Um, This is from their website, thereap.org. I will link all of this in the episode notes as well, as well as the 1946 movie. um, So they, this is from their website, it says, the the REAP empowers queer, trans, and non-binary students at more than 200 taxpayer-funded religious schools that actively discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity slash expression. Through civil rights litigation, documentary film, oral history, research, and public policy, we work towards a world where LGBTQ students on all campuses are treated equally with safety and respect. 
So they actually are planning a lawsuit. Um, from here it says Elizabeth Hunter um, et al. I hate saying that out loud. Versus um, U.S. Department of Education. Religious exemptions to civil rights sta- statutes right, mm-hmm. um, at a price. The price is paid by the young and vulnerable who find themselves at the mercy of a religious-affiliated, taxpayer-funded social service and educational institutions that often turn them away or force them into the closet. Reap's lawsuit asserts the constitutional and basic human rights of LGBTQ plus students seeking to, seeking to the end the sexual, physical, and psychological abuses perpetrated under the religious exemption to Title IX at thousands of federally funded schools, colleges, and universities across America. Yeah, so essentially they are trying to alter Title IX. Yes. Is what they're trying to do with yes. the lawsuit is they're trying to, there's a religious exemption within the Title IX policy that basically exempts religious schools from what Title IX is, which like the, the discriminatory uh, process. I think it also drastically alters the way they handle sexual assault. Um, I speak from uh, personal experience on that one. Um, but yeah, so I will link reap. You can donate, you can just like, you know, and it's also great. I think for other people who've been abused by Christian colleges to know that not only are you not alone in this, but you've got a whole fucking organization behind you that's actively trying to make a change so that other people don't have to go through this, which I know was really comforting to you when you first found out about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then I will link the 1946 movie because I think that'll also, I, I've got to check and see if it's out yet. I, I've, I've been following it for a few months now and I know they were in production. Um, but yeah, uh, that's kind of all that we have for today. But thank you so much for coming on. We wanted to do this for a good chunk of time. Um, and uh, do you have anything to plug? I literally almost said my butthole, but that is not true. <laughs> <laughs> so, so okay. So uh, Jubilee has Instagram and her IG tag is Jubilee spelled J-U-B-I-L-E-E. Jaira, J-A-I-R-A. And I will put that in the um, episode notes as well. But thank you for coming on. Yeah, you're welcome. We've also, been, um, if you do follow me, don't expect anything that's like, I don't know. I'm. It's literally just. It's literally, uh, it's literally just like the you're personal just page me as as a person. So there's just going to be a lot of random stuff. But yeah, um, we've been sitting on her apartment floor for the past like hour hour and a half and it is 104 degrees outside so we are sweating like pigs so we're gonna go and get some dinner um but thank you guys so much for listening and if you enjoyed the podcast please write us five stars on itunes and leave us a review you can also follow the blog on instagram at seraphina blog and visit us online at seraphinablog.com and as always to end our time unclench your jaw take a deep breath And remember, you can always learn, you can always grow, and you can always choose to live your life in a more mindful way. I will see you guys next week.